Welcome to All of You with Madeleine Munro, a space where we explore vulnerable conversations and topics centered around a trauma-informed approach to healing and growth, where we welcome all that we are exactly as we are. Hi, loved ones. Welcome to episode five of the All of You podcast with me, Madeleine Munro. Today, I'm joined by sex coach, Jem Ayers, and we explore the topic of healing through pleasure and full body orgasms. This is something that is so close to my heart as someone that has experienced pain, numbness, disconnect, even yeah, it felt excruciating in my own body and transforming that into health and full body bliss and full body orgasms and being able to witness this with clients on a daily basis is so beautiful. So I hope that this can be an expansive and inspirational episode as we tune into what is possible when we embark on our sexual healing journey. Hi, Jem. It's so lovely to drop in with you today. And I'm particularly grateful for you and your time because you've been such a pertinent figure on my journey. And as I've really journeyed with my own exploration and education of sexuality, what I found is that the teachers that I go to has become, the, the pool has become smaller and smaller. So it just feels like such a privilege to be able to drop into this space with you, knowing how busy and full life is with your bubbling practice. So thank you. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Maddie. What a lovely recommendation and introduction. Oh, that's the, uh, yeah, that's made me beam. Thank you. My ego is happy. <laughs> Oh, thank you. And yeah, so I would love to know more about yeah your journey into sexuality. I've met you a few years ago, and I'm aware that you've come on such an inspirational and deep war healing journey that's led you to Tantra coaching and sexological body work and all of these really potent modalities. And I'd love to know, yeah, how you got here, how you became this practitioner that we're privileged of sitting with right now. Oh, thank you. Great question. Well, I find that uh, the reason why I came here just keeps growing and growing, actually. But I it was, um, I was 24. I was 24 when I first noticed that I had sexual shutdown. Mm. And like many women, I had suffered trauma and abuse, but hadn't ever really registered it or spent time with it or let it go through me or run through me. And and at 24, I didn't know what to do when I experienced sexual shutdown because there was no reason for it. I had a very loving, beautiful relationship at the time with someone I really massively desired and was very, very caring and loving and well-meaning to me. And I went everywhere looking for help. I read all the books. I went to my doctors and got some awful advice. I turned mm -hmm. to my mum. You know, I went to, to counsellors and therapists who couldn't really look me in the eye. And we mm. seem to talk about everything except for sex. Mm. I went to hypnotherapists and I went to energy healers because I didn't know where to go. And it wasn't until I found bodywork that things start to shift. And that was four years 
four years from knowing I needed help and being desperate and lonely and isolated to actually finding the help that I needed and worked. And I don't ever want anyone to be in that position thinking that they're the only person out there, you know, stood there, I'm lost, I'm broken, I'm alone. There is no one to help. I must be the only person with this challenge. And no one could answer any of my questions. Mm. And when I did a weekend of bodywork with other women, what I found was that shifted more than the four years of therapy I'd had almost overnight. Mm. And I just knew it worked for me and it worked for my body. And it didn't necessarily start working on my sexual challenges overnight. It didn't look like anything was changing sexually, but something in me was changing my core, my values, my self-belief, my confidence. So what did change very, very quickly was how I was putting myself out into the world mm-hmm. and the, the different quality of experiences I was having and the different quality of people I was attracting and the better decisions I was making for myself and better boundaries I was putting down and the more discerning I was being around people. And I started to, I built a new business and I'd quit an old job that wasn't working for me. And my business was flourishing overnight because I was really working in empowering women around their bodies and their sexuality. And I was doing this in through burlesque. And what I found was this was a really great mainstream way of getting women to really give themselves permission to get their sexuality out of the box. Even if it was only for that one hour class a week, women had a safe space to explore their sexuality in a cheeky, fun and super accessible way. And what I saw in those women was what I had witnessed in myself. Women were growing through this work. On one level, it was a silly dance class with some feather boas and maybe some stockings. But on another level, Women were leaving unhealthy relationships. Mm. Women were building their own businesses. Women were having better um, uh, conversations with their bosses about promotions. Women were having better relationships with their children, for example. And I could just see women flourish and grow. And I felt that very much myself. And my relationship with my own body and with my relationships with men and partners did start to change. And suddenly I was starting to access more pleasure in my body, slowly, slowly, slowly. And I started to experience a kind of pleasure that I hadn't witnessed before in myself. But because it wasn't the old type of pleasure that I'd always Mm. had, that I was kind of a little bit addicted to because of the chemical Mm. release that it gives us in the brain. And I thought I wanted to go back to that. There was always this idea that I want to get back to how I was when I was younger. I want to get back to that sexuality that I had before shutdown. What was happening is because I had this idea of going backwards to something, I wasn't really noticing the new thing that was coming up. So I was experiencing a new pleasure in my body, but because it wasn't the old thing, I didn't have a name for it or even really didn't recognize it. Until this was happening in my body so regularly, slowly, slowly over years, that one day I noticed I'm full body orgasmic. Mm. I'm full body orgasmic and I hadn't even recognized it because it wasn't the kind of orgasms that you see in romantic films or in pornography or in the kind of hard, fast, clitoris release that you get using vibrators. It was something else that I hadn't been told about or hadn't seen or witnessed or been educated about. And so I recognized how limited the experience and the representation of 
pleasure is, and particularly in female pleasure. And so I was, you know, over the moon. I'd gone from being non-orgasmic to full body orgasmic in a few years. And then I started to get really super fascinated. I've always been interested in mystery and solving mysteries. And the body and sex for me was one of the biggest mysteries. And it is the most is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And so I got geeky. I got sciencey. I got nerdy. I, you know, I tended everything. I read everything. I explored my body. I found partners to explore my body with me. And in the same time, what also happened was I was diagnosed with cancer and I was given uh, an end of life prognosis because I had a tumor in my brain and in my lung and in my lymph node, which had stemmed from a skin cancer. And I didn't know that my body had been experiencing this and that this had been growing in me for a long time. So of course I was shocked. And when they said, you know, all we can offer you is palliative care and immunotherapy, but the best that you can get is a 10% chance that it will stabilize you. And then I was just sat, sent home to sit on my sofa and wait for a letter to go and talk to my oncologist about my options of which there weren't many. I realized I could take the power back into my own hands at that moment. I couldn't just hand it over to someone else. This was my body and I'd been working with it for so long about reclaiming it. I wasn't just going to give it over without consideration to someone else and someone else's wisdom. For sure, doctors know different information to me and that's very, very helpful. But also I needed to trust in my own body wisdom because there's one thing I've learned through all of this and it's one size does not fit all when it comes mm. from bodies. And the medical system, unfortunately, would like us to all fit into one kind of shape because it's easy and it's treatable that way. And we have to look at the body on so many different levels when it comes to health. And I'd learned somewhere, and I don't know where from, but I'd heard years ago of mysterious healings, miracle healings, if you like, through orgasm. And I had already experienced that I didn't know anything about my body, actually. And the more I learned, the more I realized I knew so little. And I just knew that pleasure in my body was unlimited mm. and hidden and quite secret from even myself. I had to dig quite deep to find it. And so I was like, if there's any time to believe in the miracle of the body, being able to heal itself through pleasure, then now's the time to do that. That's all I had in my back pocket, if I'm honest. And there was also the belief that if this really was it, I was gonna make sure I had as much pleasure in my body for the next however long I had left. Because what cancer gave me was that really definite end point actually, oh, my life will come to an end at some point and it might not be soon. But until that point, I hadn't really acknowledged that. You know, we don't look at death very well in society. In Tantra, one of the many aspects of Tantra is actually all about facing death and how we can take that into life. So this was a whole nother level of learning about myself when faced with my own mortality. Mm. And I'd learned about the aspect of pleasure and joy and what that has on cells and on water molecules. And if my body's 85, 90% water, and my cells, which were cancerous, 
were also 90 to 95% water. I wanted to fill that water with as much joy as possible. So a Japanese doctor, Dr. Emoto, does experiments on water molecules, taking them into, you know, chanting and laughing and places of joy. And then other water molecules from the same place and taking them to more abusive sounds and uh, swearing and energetic words, which are negative. And then looking at them under a microscope under they've been, after they've been exposed to either the joy or the negative. And just seeing how they mutate or they change. And of course, the ones in the joy environment transform into these beautiful crystals. And the ones in the negative really mutate and turn quite alien. Something that you don't want in your body. So we've really got to think about our body on this energetic level as well. They've done the same experiments in schools with plants, for example. One plant, one plant flourishes when it's given loving words and another plant dies as it's bullied and given words of attack. And I wanted to fill my body with joy. And I thought I need to work on my cancer because my cancer is just a cell that has been mutated. And I wanted to know that I could fill my body with joy. And I hula hooped and I bought amazing shoes and I, you know, I ate great food and I had really beautiful experiences with friends and family. But actually what I wanted was full body orgasmic experience because that was how I knew how to get pleasure into every cell. And when we talk about full body orgasm, we don't just talk about the kind of the very limited approach we have to pleasure and to the genital focused attempt at sex if you like it's taking the pleasure everywhere in the body right to the nose to the fingertip to the to the toes everywhere and every part of my body beams when I feel full body orgasmic so I took that as my practice and six months later I was cancer free and I did a lot of other things as well I changed my diet I did cannabis oil I did some medication that they gave me that they told me I only had a 10% chance of stabilizing and my doctors still say you're my lucky charm you're do you've mm. done better than the rest Aww. whatever you're doing just keep doing it they ask about my supplements and they ask about <laughs> what else I'm doing I don't ever mention orgasm <laughs> they generally glaze over as soon as I mention meditation so <laughs> if they could bottle up full body orgasm and sell it the pharmaceuticals they would <laughs> full body orgasm on the NHS <laughs> I'd get behind that. And so that at that point, I needed to change what I was doing because people were now starting to come to me to learn something. And I noticed I had something to teach, something mm. of real value. So I've started working with sexuality because it is such a massive place for healing and not just healing our sexual challenges and our childhood traumas and wounds, which we all have in one way or another, you know, sexuality is where our biggest shame is and it's our biggest shutdown and our mm -hmm. biggest taboo. But that, how working with that actually ripples out and has effect on all of our lives. If we get better with boundaries in the bedroom, we're going to get better with setting boundaries everywhere, you know, and communication and putting ourselves first and really knowing actually that we have enough worth to be able to put ourselves into the world as a healthy person who has rights and also responsibilities to others as well. Oh, gosh, there's so much beauty and wisdom in all that you've just shared. Thank you. Oh, and thanks, Maddie. 
And I just really want to honor, yeah, the power of what you've been through because mm-hmm. I feel like this adds such a depth to you as like, yeah, as a practitioner that I've gone through, as a colleague that I've worked with, as a friend of really embodying this work and yeah. therefore creating a sense of integrity, trust and safety that people then can explore deeper work with. You've gone through this journey on such a potent, in such a potent way that it's, it, it can't, it's like you can't fake the level of which you've embodied this work. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I think you can really tell when someone's regurgitating something they've learned from someone else or read yeah. from a book. Yeah. Absolutely. And I really feel that I'm only teaching stuff that I have absolute depth of experience with. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and being around you, this really grounded and regulated sense of self that you have. Because, mm. you know, some teachers that may regurgitate stuff, you can tell by the how you feel, the nervous systems, that it's not an embodied sense of pleasure or safety or orgasm. And it's something different. Whereas when being around you, that that is so dropped in and that really is an exceptional quality. Oh, Maddie, that's so beautiful. I just know that full body orgasmic makes me a better person, actually. (laughs) A better person for everyone, for the world. Mm. And it also, and that doesn't mean that life isn't hard sometimes. Mm. I still get challenges in my life, but it means that I am more able to self-regulate and be on a balance Mm. and be less reactive and more tuned in to what's really going on in my body. Because that's what it is. Learning about our bodies actually is learning about a deep inner knowing in ourselves. And it just means whatever situation we step into, we generally have more trust in ourselves to be able to handle that. You know, earlier this year, I sat with my mum dying for six weeks. And I had to keep just stepping up. And I was sitting in that fire. And it was one of the most painful experiences, like, far bigger experience for me than my cancer ever was Mm. and I just had to sit with it and keep turning up and keep turning up and I wanted to run and I wanted to hide Mm. and I wanted it to end and I didn't want to be there but how do you keep showing up and how do you keep staying with those uncomfortable situations when you know actually it's the best thing for you to do and again it's all about coming back to the body what do I need right now How can I look after myself in any given situation, including the most stressful? Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. And just bringing so much compassion to that part of this year that you've been through and holding Mm. you through the ripples from that experience, knowing that grief takes such a long time and just holding this with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a ride. And then, of course, about a week after my mum dies, Channel 4 gets in touch and asks me if I can be on their TV show. And it was just like, really, now now you're calling me out? Now you're asking me to step up even more? Now you're asking me to be seen when I'm in my most vulnerable? And I really had to sit with it and research and find out, you know, okay, what what was the shape of this show? How was this going to affect our work out there? And uh, just had to tune in to myself. Does this feel right for you right now? Does this feel right for the world? And it was just a yes. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to say yes and see where this takes us. And I think the Sex Actually show with Alice Levine was, yeah, it was uh, done pretty well. 
to be able to represent our work to the mainstream. And the big part of that was my full body orgasmic work, which isn't the only thing I do. I don't want to be a one trick pony for sure, but I suppose maybe it's the most titillating, interesting bit for TV, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, we didn't talk about the effects of healing and the effects mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, my own personal story with cancer. But hopefully it will get to the people that are interested and open to it. Yeah, and I really want to provide that reassurance. I don't think anyone could ever see you as a one-trick pony <laughs> in the world. Not at all. And here, just what I really love that you dropped in is like the depth of which this work goes. How, you know, when we see the idea of full-body orgasm, people may feel like it's it's just pleasure and it's bliss and it may look how like Paul described it or these kind of pieces. And actually, as you've said, it's like a deep inner knowing. And can we be present with the sensations that are in our body, whether they are really pleasurable or actually whether they're really challenging and we don't want to be with them anymore? Yeah. It's about being total because if we don't embrace our pleasure, then there's a massive part of ourselves that we're denying and we can't be total if we're shaming a part of ourselves or locking away a part of ourselves. So, yeah, bringing pleasure into the fold and being with that is, you know, a level of, accepting ourselves actually on a deeper level yeah and what I loved you said earlier is around we you know when we can communicate our boundaries in the bedroom we can communicate them in life yeah and when you shared about the impact on the burlesque community that you ran yeah. I resonated with it so deeply as I noticed that I had done years of therapy and plant medicine and repassioners and then I found conscious sexuality and these this kind of study and suddenly I noticed, wow, my healing and my personal development has tripled. I'm like on a yeah. fast track, an accelerated rate to becoming the person that I never thought I could become. And here, it, so it feels, you know, what I love hearing you say is like an embodying is that it's so rooted in us knowing ourselves. And like you said, that tot- totality it can't just be a, that one fold of pleasure at the side or yeah. us only focusing on pleasure. We've actually got to encompass it all within ourselves. Absolutely. And this is empowerment. It's us mm. doing the work for us. I don't want to be a guru that people come to, they get healed and they go away. That isn't what I do. Mm. If they come to me and I give them the practices and the tools so that they can keep this process going in their own lives. I say this to my clients. I don't want to see you every week. I don't want you to keep having to come back. This isn't therapy. I was in cycles of therapy for years, constantly handing over my money, thinking, when's this going to end? Because it's probably not, you know. And so I just want to make sure that people get the tools they need to go off and tune into their own body and follow their own curiosity with their body. And when I teach full body orgasmic work, again, the important thing for me is making sure that it's accessible for people. And we're demystifying it. It's not a mystery. You know, people really get to understand it. And it's not me doing anything to them. It's their bodies. It's their bodies experiencing it. They have full control over it. And sometimes I'm helpful. My witnessing or my hands or my guidance and suggestions are helpful in that moment. But actually, it's them completely doing it. So when I step away, they're still able to be fully in that. And what that does is that starts to allow us to take responsibility for our own pleasure. Because often in the world, and what I see, especially in coaching couples, uh, and definitely in my old story too, is that my pleasure 
isn't really about me. It's about someone else. I get turned on by someone else outside of me or their touch or their words or their intentions. Because I'm like, no, no, no. I want to just be in this full body orgasmic experience myself on a regular basis so that I'm kind of simmering every day so that when I do choose to connect with another, I'm already brimming and overflowing. I'm not an empty person reaching for someone else to fill me. It's very much I've got a full cup to offer. And then when two full people connect, that's when the magic happens. Mm, Oh, yes. And hearing you, I can feel... Yeah, the deep appreciation in my body as I hear you describe really my journey. You know, Mm. describing it in the way of full body orgasm and another frame could be like, you know, healing codependency. Oh, yeah. Healing all these relational aspects. It's like when we fill ourselves up and this is the crux of this kind of work is of being able to be in that sensation ourselves and just how transformative it is. And... Yeah, I heard you saying around wanting to demystify it. And yeah, I I love this topic because as you may know, full body orgasms have been a huge part of my journey and maybe one of the most transformative things because as you say, I suddenly realized I was orgasmic and no one else, someone else couldn't give it to me. They're not responsible for it. You know, like then that ownership piece, that radical ownership of my body, my peace in relationships, my peace in pleasure. And so I would love to hear more about how you go about demystifying it for people that it may feel like such a far away thing if they, if they don't understand what it may be or may feel like. Yeah, thank you. So I know for me, when I first started this work, the idea of going to a tantra workshop and hearing other people say they wanted better orgasms that felt a million miles away from where I was. Like my baseline was so limited. I wasn't feeling anything and hadn't been for a very long time. And even the orgasms I had been kind of almost forcing and pushing my body into were no more than, you know, a slightly releasing sneeze, really. Mm. And so the idea of being full body orgasmic was so far away and untouchable and inaccessible. But I just kind of pushed it to one side. I was like, well, that's mm. never achievable. So what I think one of the massive blocks to pleasure and to orgasm is, is the pressure and the expectation. Because mm. I see people turning up, I want better orgasms, I want better orgasms, I want better orgasms, and focusing on it so much. But that keeps it in a goal-orientated process, mm. which is kind of why standard mainstream sex doesn't work for most people. Because we're too focused on the outcome not of the experience of what's going on when we're not already there, basically. So it's all about staying current and present in the moment. So the first thing I get people to do is to just really track what's going on in their body now. So just breathing and feeling and seeing and doing a body scan and noticing where is the sensation in my body? And to begin with, there might not be so much, right? Because it's subtle and we're not used to the subtle. We're used to the head being very loud Mm. and very busy and having lots of ideas and thoughts and suggestions and critiques. It was actually, we just need to quieten down, breathe a bit deeper and feel what's going on. And what I've found is that there are three keys or cornerstones to feeling more pleasure in your body, acceptance, Mm -hmm. permission, and safety. With those three things, self-permission, self-acceptance, and safety, 
what happens is our body is naturally more pleasurable. We can just feel more. First of all, however, when we start, we might feel some tension because that's often the loudest sensation in the body, the tension, yeah. the pain. But if we just breathe and shift and do what we need, ask our body what it needs in that moment, we can, you know, start to maybe change that a little bit and then shift our awareness to focus on pleasure. We are really, really programmed to kind of tolerate suffering and not mm -hmm. focus on pleasure. So this is a real mindset shift. So when we start looking for pleasure in our body, what do we find? And maybe pleasure is too much of a big word. Maybe we might find just bits that are a bit tingly or a bit warm mm, yeah. or feel a bit looser. You know, that sounds pretty good. Let's focus on those bits to begin with. And the more practiced we get at noticing and noticing and noticing a bit more and allowing ourselves to be with that and the frustration of that, then the bigger those sensations will come. So that's mm. step one, is noticing actually what's going on in your body. Because we need that when we go into further practices. Because if we're not noticing, it doesn't matter what touch technique we're applying if we're not noticing. And then I always say breath. Breath comes first. Breath comes before any touch. When people come to me and I think they want to learn touch techniques, how do I touch my partner better? How do I touch myself better? Mm. And I'm like, well, first of all, let's work with breathing. Breath comes first. Breath, because again, we could touch ourselves however we want, but if we're not breathing, we're not able to feel more. So breathing is all about how do we feel what's going on in the body. And when we start feeling, not only do we may, maybe have the pains and the tensions, but also emotion can come as well. Yeah. Because not only do we suppress joy in our lives, we also suppress the other things we don't want to feel. Mm. And when we're opening up our body to feel more, we can't say, I want to feel more, but only more pleasure. We kind of start to feel a bit more of everything. So there might be emotion, anger, sadness, you know, longing, tenderness, rage, all of that. And it's just being okay with that and accepting it and letting us move through it, not being so fearful of it. So it's a really good process to put yourself through with a practitioner, you know, who is certified, who can be fully present with you, is trauma informed, who can witness you in this so that you have someone to hold your hand and dip in and out of the pool with, so to speak. So that it's done in a really safe, doable way that isn't too jarring or too shocking and re-traumatizing we have this idea that healing has to be this massive cathartic thing was well, actually it could be incredibly quiet and easy and soft mm. and even pleasurable you know let's be with that and that's what I'm far more interested in and I'm not mm. saying that tears and emotions don't calm in my sessions but you know it's not the focus of you know the way through the pain is to feel it it's mm. about actually let's just be with what is and not push ourselves anywhere and if it feels too much, knowing how we can self-regulate and back out, find the safety zone again, stay in our comfort zone and, you know, take baby steps into feeling what's going on. Yeah. And I would love to pause just to really honor how important this is on the journey mm. as someone that's gone through this kind of awakening into full body orgasm, because what I can see is people really want this and they see it as an idea in their head. And actually when I experienced it, at times it felt scary that I could okay. feel these sensations and it felt new and sometimes overwhelming. So I just want to take the time to honor how important it is on this journey to have those slow doable steps. Yeah, towards it. 
so many people come to me at the start and they, they're starting to experience something, but they're scared of it or it's too mm. intense yeah. or it's discombobulating because it's something we haven't experienced before and it kind of really shakes up any framework we have or ideas around what pleasure looks like or mm. feels like or, yeah, it can be a bit unnerving. That I, I call it, you know, it's kind of that, that place of limbo where we're, mm. where the old beliefs and ways of being in pleasure have dropped away because they've had mm. to, to allow us to experience this new thing. But the new thing is still very, very new. So we haven't got a solid foundation in it. It's still very much a sapling. So we haven't really got that new foundation to step to. So that's incredibly, you know, but it's a place of uncertainty, isn't it? Yeah. All of the ideas of what pleasure are have left us. And now we're stepping into something that's less certain. Mm. And that's often what keeps us in the places that are less pleasurable is actually yeah. they're old, so they're safe, even if they're not so great for us. Yeah, totally. it's better than stepping into the new and the scary and the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm just thinking back when I've been on this journey and it, re- it can feel so scary, the unknown. And I think I've been in practices with you or like our friends or colleagues and that exact feeling of, I think I've looked at someone and been like, what is going on? Like, can I actually hold this much sensation or this much pleasure? And so just yeah, appreciating the need for those small doable steps, that titrated way of doing it yeah. and being with practitioners that can hold you in it, that have yeah. that area of expertise to guide you to explore these new places in a safe, doable way. For sure. Absolutely. You know, it's really good to have some good questions to ask practitioners. You know, are you trauma informed? Has your, has your training included you know, consent work, boundary work, wheel of consent, you know, are you insured? <laughs> Where were you certified? Yeah. These, yeah. you know, kind of questions that are important to ask just to see, you know, is this someone who's really doing the work or is this just a weekend shaman, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why I love, you know, how emerging this field of sexological body work is and these structures that are in place for this deeper level of integrity and like education around the holding of sexuality, knowing that people are part of system, they're certified, they've got teachers or supervision uh, that can be recognized rather than like you say, these, maybe they've heard a podcast about it. They've watched a YouTube video and suddenly think that's their, their niche. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing about this work and especially about full body orgasmic work is we think that it's, it's hard. Or that it can take a long time. And yeah, okay, aspects of it can take a long time, especially if we have got trauma and abuse to work through and heal through and sit with and be with and find our way with. But when I do my retreats, they're just a weekend. And actually, generally, by lunchtime on the first day, everyone's already learnt the tools that they need. And then the rest of the weekend is practice. I remember doing a full body orgasm workshop I called it orgasmic breath work and it was at a festival and I remember I had I think I had an hour's time slot to lead about 50 60 people through this process and the yoga teacher before me had overrun so I ended up having about 40 minutes and boom people were off and Mm. in it because actually they turned up and they'd already given themselves permission Mm. to experience something So it is, it can be actually really quick 
and really accessible, really easy. We've just got this idea that it's hard work. It's not for me. You have to spend thousands of pounds. You have to go to India or something to learn it. I'm not spiritual enough. All of this messages that just isn't true, actually. So how do we take conscious sexuality out of the caves and out of the temples and bring it into our very real modern day lives? You know, mm. how do we make it accessible and everyday? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just I learning the tools, take, putting the tools in others, you know, given the tools I give to people for them to use for themselves. There are, I have free videos on my website mm. about this for people to use for homework. So anyone can access this work. You know, you don't have to even pay me. <laughs> just mm. turn up and look at some of the videos on my website and that's a good start. And then that means that actually, yeah, we can, we can make the world a better place by generally being in more joy ourselves. And it has a ripple out effect. Mm. Healing doesn't have to be hard work. It's big work. And if you find you need support in it, do that. Find someone, contact someone, contact me, get in touch and ask for support. But it doesn't have to be, you know, hard work that takes years and years of grueling, cathartic process. Yeah. And, you know, I love that it, that it doesn't have to be hard work. And this paradigm that we're moving into and creating on a daily basis of new approaches to healing where, you know, because as we know, you know, the catharsis or these perhaps older ways of healing, are they actually sustainable? And here, can we actually create ways of healing that are actually doable every day or that we can yeah. then create within our lives rather than a weekend workshop and then we've forgotten everything by Tuesday? Yeah, absolutely. When people come on my retreats, I try to send them links and videos and I set them homework and we do a few catch-up calls afterwards. It's like, right, how is this looking in your life? How are you adjusting? How is it integrating? Because I know that space of touching the magic and then going home and going, oh, okay, now I have to go back to the office and suddenly I feel very, very non-full body orgasmic. Mm. So it's how we could take this into a life in really slow ways. I think that's the healthy bit of golden nugget if you like yeah thank you and i'm aware that people can access this through your free content and you've got a lot of free content that i really want to appreciate and celebrate mm. the amount of accessible pieces that you have for people and so people have this to go to and i'm wondering if there's any other pieces you'd have them start with if they're at home and perhaps they can't afford a session um, that they may be able to start to bring in some of this pleasurable healing into their everyday lives beautiful well again i'm drawn to the videos on my website and it, one of the videos i'm talking about that i talked about earlier is called sensation tracking so there's mm -hmm. some embodiment videos basically and sensation tracking is exactly what i was speaking about earlier how we breathe and feel and notice what's going on in our body and that's a 10 minute video of me guiding you into that experience mm -hmm. you sit with the video and you listen to my voice and you follow the instructions. And once you've done it once or twice, you won't need to listen to my video again. It will mm. just be there. But it's a resource you can keep going back to. So that's a really great practice. Then there's another video called Breath with Sound, Home mm. Practice One. So it's how do we breathe deeper? <sighs> how do we make sound? And how do we use that as a tool for feeling more in our bodies? And these are just short practices that we do drip feed over our week you know any time that we've got a space set an alarm on your phone get really practical about your homework here you know what can i do how can i step away from my laptop for 10 minutes 
and stand at the kettle, make myself a cup of tea and just breathe a bit deeper and notice what's going on in my body. Because practicing these things outside of sex is yeah. where, where the practice yeah. is. Yeah. So that when we are in the high intensity sensation of sex or connection with another or with our own bodies, mm. then actually we can't suddenly go, oh, now's that time to practice that breathing thing. Yeah. It's like practice it, <laughs> practice it when you're not in the sex and then it will become far more natural every day. Like I find myself really just naturally stood in cues now, just like, ah, and just feeling my body more mm. and noticing on a regular basis how uncomfortable I put my body in different positions. Like, oh, I'm stood here at a bus stop and I notice I'm leaning onto one hip, which is actually quite uncomfortable. Yeah. And just taking a moment to adjust to go, how can I be in 10% pleasure right now? Mm. How can I make an adjustment to my body or to my breath? which gives me 10% more pleasure, you know, and then we start to take the strain out of our body because our body holds on to these repetitive small stresses that we give it on a daily basis. And then, of course, we get into the bedroom and we think that we should be multi-orgasmic goddesses, whereas yeah. throughout the day, actually, we've been generally overly stimulated and slightly stressed out on an on a anxious nervous system response. Mm. How can we then switch into that? So using the tiny little practices through the day of breathing and noticing. Mm. And there's one more video as well. It's a shaking video in my embodiment practice. And again, it's 10 minutes and it's just me guiding you through a shaking practice. And this is all about release. So for those days when you have been putting yourselves into difficult positions, physically or emotionally, and there's some discomfort and some holding, and often we don't even notice it's there. Yeah. How we can let that go is by having a really good shake you know, this is like a nervous system response. This is, this is a response that animals have when they are in uncomfortable situations or challenging yeah. situations with other animals, shaking, releasing, releasing the tension from the body, creating more space in the body, mm. more space for energy to flow, more availability to feel. So shaking is another small practice that I used to do as a regular daily meditation. Mm. And that can also give the body the muscle memory it needs to allow full body orgasmic process to take over. So we can, you know, move pleasure from genital focused pleasure through whole body pleasure, just through the shake and the breath mm. and the notice. Mm. So those are three videos I highly recommend. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for generosity. And then breaking this down into some really grounded steps that people can do in everyday life they don't need yeah. equipment for they don't need any fancy piece or teachers for it. it's just like oh wow these skills are already going to help you right here right now while you're sat at the bus stop while you're sat at the desk you're already you can already be healing yeah so I'm a working class girl from a council estate in mm. Essex and when I first started learning about spirituality it was really inaccessible for me I can't even wear white, Maddie. I get, mm. you know, I get food stains down myself. Yeah. I'm not a white wearer. <laughs> <Really? you know? laughs> so if I ever go to a workshop where they tell me to wear all white, I instantly put off. Same as it's resistant. So I just want to make this kind of work as easy as possible and take mm. it out of elitist place that it is. Yeah. How can we make mm. spirituality and connection to our own bodies more accessible? Because I think it's better for everyone when we do that. Mm, yes amen thank you so so much and yeah and this links to a piece I wanted to ask you next that you'd mentioned around 
So we're making it more accessible. And you'd shared at the beginning that one of the barriers can be expectation of what pleasure or sex should feel like. Uh And then then we've spoken about just now, you know, with the full body orgasm, taking it away from that genital, often maybe clitoral for women or cock waist for men, um, pleasure, that real focus and shifting it. And so here, I would love to hear more about, yeah, what this pleasure may feel like for people that may have really no clue. Because I know I didn't. When I started to feel this, I thought, what what even is this? Is yeah. this a full body orgasm? Yeah. So I'd love to just hear more about this as we really change the view on what pleasure is. Yeah, thank you. So that kind of hard, fast genital approach that we have to pleasure is very intense. And that can be beautiful, but it also actually can kind of almost bypass pleasure to get us to a place of release. Yeah. And what I often hear, especially with, um, well, with both men and women, actually, is that self-pleasure can be quite functional. You know, Mm -hmm. we've kind of learned the tricks to get us there quite quickly. And it's more of a stress-based wank, really, or just to get to sleep. Yeah. And again, vibrators. feel great. And we're just like, feel great. That's it. I'm done. And so the pleasure isn't necessarily in the journey Mm. so what I teach through that breathing and noticing is to focus on the lower end of the pleasure scale Mm. and people often say well it felt nice but it didn't necessarily it wasn't sexual we have this idea that it's Mm. not sexual if it doesn't include the genitals yeah whereas for me laying in the sun is like Mm. a real pleasure you know I'm stroking a cat is a real like sensation-based pleasure in my body. What feels good in my body? And if I just give myself permission to experience that sensation, that can be super sexual yeah. just because it doesn't involve my genitals. So I think mm-hmm. it's just noticing small pleasures. Again, we're not, we're not trained to tolerate pleasure or mm-hmm. to experience it fully. It's like we have a glimpse of it, go, oh, that's nice. And then we get on with our day instead of just really going into it. So a piece of homework for you or anyone listening who's interested would be choose one thing that you like doing and you do on a regular basis. So it might be drinking a cup of tea, for example, something super easy and accessible and simple. And just really, next time you do that thing, really give yourself permission to enjoy it. What does it look like if you crank up the pleasure Mm -hmm. to the max? Make space for it. Don't do anything else at the same time. Don't rush it, hold it, smell it, breathe it, be with it, taste it, feel it in the body. And again, just training the body to feel those low-level pleasures. Like, oh, that feels good. Like that, you know, when we first sink into a bath, oh, that experience. How can I stay with that as long as possible? Because that will only help enhance our pleasure when we get to the highest intensity sensations. Or we might find out, actually it's much nicer in the lower end of the pleasure scale where we can stay for a prolonged amount of time and have a plateau pleasure Mm. experience instead of that build and peak and drop experience yeah this is so beautiful and I remember um I think I've talked to you about the arousal scale in itself so we're talking about you know in pleasure yeah so for those that don't know like zero being not feeling anything 10 you, you've already peaked really or that's yeah. climax and when, like the, the juicy spots of like six and seven but yeah. in order to sustain there it's like building that resilience you know we've talked about the inner work of resilience through the highs and lows of healing 
But when, what I'm hearing you saying is that when we can stay in the lower numbers of three or four or even two, we can build body resilience to be with the higher sensations yeah. of six and seven or, or maybe eight yeah. and be there for a longer period without needing that peak and then that trough afterwards. So I noticed for me that being in the sunshine can be a three very easily. Mm. But if we're at a three constantly thinking, where's eight? Where's eight? Why am I not at eight? Yeah. Then we're not really experiencing our three. But it's no. actually our three can last a lot longer yeah. than our eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it feels like we're really changing the perception of what pleasure and orgasm even looks like. All this programming, all this conditioning actually as you said, the expectation, when we release that, can we just drop into the pleasure that we're feeling yeah. right here, right now, not needing it to be anything else? When we start, it, it's really about turning everything we think we know about pleasure <laughs> onto its head. And it can yeah. be a bit of a head fuck. And mm -hmm. so many people hear what I say and probably think, yeah, but that doesn't sound like fun because mm -hmm. I'm not touching my genitals or you're telling me that there's more than just orgasming and I don't really understand, but it is just suspending judgment for a while and trying something new. We have so many, you know, we have a, we have a chemical addiction to that point of peak yeah. orgasm. It's difficult yeah. to stay away from that. Mm. But for me, when I first learned full body orgasmic experience, I had to just stop touching my clitoris completely. Yeah. Cause it was just yes. a habit that I'd formed to Absolutely. get me there. And it was like, well, I know I can get myself there mm -hmm. regularly if I want, but I also know that's really limited pleasure. Yeah. So I just have to put that to one side. I can come back to it if I want one day, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to put that to one side yeah. to try allow something new, some new neural pathways in the brain to reconnect after they've grown over a bit because I've been mm -hmm. so attached to this one yeah. route to pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So it, now we just start to open up new ways of being. And like mm -hmm. any habit, and we're trying to break a habit, bit of a pain in the bum, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit annoying. Yeah. It's a bit tough mm -hmm. to do sometimes. And the beauty of this is that, as we've shared about the ripples before in, in our conversation, is that, you know, even breaking this neural pathway around clitoral pleasure, it's actually like breaking a pattern around instant gratification. And then yeah. that changes everything for us in our lives because we're not seeking that instant reward. Yeah. So just honoring the enormity of this. So, um, so, and just to wrap it up a bit, there's nothing wrong with clitoris pleasure at all. Yeah. But if that's all that we do, we're kind of missing the rest of the buffet. You know, mm, it's a bit yeah. like fast food. Sometimes it's super convenient and, you know, we really long for it and want it. But we know that eating it every day isn't good for us. Mm -hmm. So how can we take more time for something which is more nourishing and feels better in our bodies afterwards? Beautiful. And so... You know, as we really honor the buffet, something I've loved is the way that self-pleasure and orgasm can create a boundary space for pleasure outside of a relationship. And mm. I'd love to hear more about, yeah, how you bring this in with clients, this really space of pleasure, not it, not being in partnership. Yeah, so many people think I, I don't want to start tantra until I'm in the partnership. Mm. And it's like, no, first of all, start with yourself. And so many people come to me saying, I want to learn how to pleasure my partner. Yes. I'm like, right, well, first I want you to learn how to pleasure yourself because it's not about technique. And the sooner yeah. that you learn it's not about technique, the sooner you will know what is needed in the touch with your partner. 
Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, press this button, do this, do that, and there we go, full body orgasmic. It's actually, mm-hmm. it's a far deeper awareness of what's going on and being in the moment. So with the self-pleasure practice I teach, I do teach touch technique and I do teach it in a very structured kind of way so that people create a container around it. But it's very much about what do I learn about my body through this touch technique? If I breathe a bit deeper, what do I feel? If I make more sound, if I move my body, how does that change things? You know, and one day, one kind of touch might really work for us. And another day, that same kind of touch won't necessarily be as effective. It's just learning that our body is biology and it's different every day. And there are so many contributing factors to our pleasure. Mm. It isn't, again, we're back to not a one size fits all. So if I don't know what's going on in my body on a regular basis, how can I expect my partner to guess that or to figure that out without me needing to give some instruction around Mm. that? So first of all, coming back to knowing ourselves, knowing what might work for us, trusting ourselves to figure it out and it's okay if we're not too sure Mm. and then being able to voice that to our partners. I don't really know what I want today, but can we try this and I'll let you know how it goes. Mm. Just very honest, very intimate, sometimes quite vulnerable making conversations, but that's what drops us into intimacy, right? Yeah, this is the key to intimacy. It's not around techniques, it's this vulnerability. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And so it's been such a, a joy. And I feel like I've just keep learning so much from you, even through this conversation. I'm like, oh, yes. Mm. Um, and I would love to ask you if there's any advice that you would give your younger self. You know, you've been on this huge journey Oof. throughout your life. And I would love to know to that younger version of you, if there's anything that you would say to her, knowing what you know now about life, healing and even pleasure. I'd say you're doing all right. Mm. You're doing all right. Self-acceptance. Trust yourself. Mm. You know, we're so often swayed by outside influences that think that we should be doing something different. It's like, yeah, trusting our bodies. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. Oh, bless you. What nourishing words to finish on. Mm. Thank you so, so much for all your time. I'm so grateful and I'll pop all your details in the show notes that people can find you and all your accessible information. Thank you. So beautiful to be asked. Deep, deep, deep respect Mm -hmm. and humbling. Thank you so much, Maddie. And thank you also for stepping up on to the plate and offering your work out into the world as well. It's so needed. There is Mm -hmm. space. There is so much space for all of us to be doing this. It is needed now. Yeah, thank oh, you so you. much so grateful oh bless you thanks so much Jem. have a gorgeous time with your clients bye-bye thank you for joining me and co-creating this community together i am so grateful you are here 